Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. Welcome to Rewatchability, the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up over time. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Robert Larone. That's good. It was like very, had command over that. Doors! It's my, uh, you know, my name, my nickname. Oh, your nickname is Doris. Maybe. Okay, that's a good... I'm trying it out, you know. I like that nickname. Yeah. You're so closed off, man. <laughs> I'm opening myself up. That's very nice. Kind of a knob, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and we are joined by Payson Rock. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. We're doing The Thing, John Carpenter's The yeah. Thing this week as part of our horror month. Like we do every year, we do a lot of horror movies around oh, this time. Yeah, for Halloween. It's the time. Oh, is that why? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, some people are really into it. I'm like, you know, yeah. I don't want to like offend anybody, but I'm only like kind of half into Halloween. What? Wow. Do you not dress up for Halloween or anything? I do not do it anymore. You used to do it. Yeah. What was your last Halloween costume? Well, I hate to say it because that person is, you know, turned out to be a terrible person, but I was William Wallace as portrayed by Mel Gibson. Really? Yeah. 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 Wow, that was that was brave. I mean, it's a good thing I didn't go out as Bill Cosby. <laughs> that would have been worse on so many accounts. So we have Payson joining us this week because this is one of your favorite all-time movies, Payson. It is. I would call myself a thingyac, th- as we call ourselves. No, <laughs> we don't call there's, ourselves there's that. There's three of you. There's three, yeah. yeah we're okay. a small but humble group. No, I love It's one of my favorite movies that I discovered maybe 10 or 15 years ago and it it kind of just like knocked me on my ass and now it's my favorite as you know i do i do pace and i've been friends for a long while we used to be roommates way back in the day and you have the board game of the thing can i say this on air is it just making you feel awful oh it's making me feel so much cooler okay Uh, yeah there's a board game i have it as my screensaver wow It's, it's it's a part of me yeah, <laughs> the thing has become a part of you. <laughs> yeah, true. So if form. we did if we did a blood test right now, you would. Oh, <laughs> who's got the scalpel? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we get into it, we just want to thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for giving us one, three, five dollars a yes. month. You get good things in return yeah. for giving us a little bit of change every month. You get the podcast early at certain levels. Mm-hmm. You get a whole other podcast. Yeah, bonus content. A bonus episode from us. We're Patreon gonna, exclusive. We're going to be releasing that one very, very soon. Yeah, uh, and it's, I mean, we can say it now. It sort of has some similarities to this. Oh, Hybridism. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. It's the fly. It's the fly. Okay. <laughs> Payson and I, we went to see the Cronenberg exhibit in Toronto when it came through. Right. At the Bell uh, Lightbox. Yeah. Box. They had yeah. the whole fly pod there. That's awesome. That was pretty good. We watched a lot of Cronenberg movies. The Brood. Yeah. The Brood. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities to a lot of Cronenberg and uh, this movie, especially the thing. I think so. There's like a tonal sort of similarity. Yeah. It was like something that came out of that era, too, of like the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. like all of the sort of 80s masters of horror mm-hmm. all sort of like have a similar tone. Exactly. Yeah. So, Rob, when did you first see The Thing? Well, I actually saw it on Halloween. Ooh, spooky. A couple years ago, it was playing at The Review in Toronto, and I went to see it with my girlfriend. Oh. And... I mean, it was kind of creepy because, you know, Halloween is the time when all the stars are aligned in the planets right. and then, like, you know, the borders between reality <laughs> and fiction can be easily broken. Right. I saw a guy dressed up as John Carpenter's Halloween's Michael Myers on my way to see this John Carpenter's movie. Oh, that's weird. It's weird, right? <laughs> like, I'm doing the right thing. I've been given a sign. <laughs> and, and John Carpenter lifts his mask up and is like, another one. <laughs> Got another one to see my movie. But then I was worried after seeing this, am I going to see a thing on the way home? And I saw a thing, but not this kind. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I don't, you know what? That's better left to the imagination. I think it's more scary if it's left to the imagination what you saw. But it was only a few years ago. So, um, and, uh, and that was the first time you'd ever seen it? You never saw it when you were a kid? or No, it sort of like passed me by. And it wasn't like a big movie to begin with. Like It was sort of buried by E.T. and right. by other movies that were sort of similar. So it wasn't a huge movie, though. It since, like, obviously attained, like, a cult following. Mm-hmm. But I totally missed it. I think the only John Carpenter movie I saw until I was, like, in my 20s was Ghosts of Mars. Ooh. No, the best one. <laughs> the the yeah, best one. That's how you knew he was a good director. That's how, he, he is the master of Mars-related horror. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't – this one, honestly, to, didn't make that much of an impression on me. Maybe I was a bit drunk. I don't know. But I don't remember much of it Yeah, having you know just rewatched it. And I also think that I was sort of thrown off by the similarities to Alien. Yeah, because, there are a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I guess like Alien had just sort of like had like another sort of like revival and I'd seen like a whole bunch of them. And so it just felt like mm-hmm. a little bit like – Sort of the same old thing. And I guess like, you know, it's like... The same old thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Okay. So I didn't like love this movie, but I I do find it like fascinating. I find like the genesis of the film fascinating. Like it's a remake of the Howard Hawks movie. Which was itself from the short story. Yeah. And like The Fly, which we mentioned before, like it's one of those remakes that sort of takes something that is sort of like schlocky and sort of silly and then reimagines it to be contemporary and you know bold and yeah yeah and puts kurt russell in it well yeah. kurt, not in the fly no yeah. could have used kurt russell that's all i'm saying I, <laughs> well i don't i think jeff I, goldblum would like to have a word with you or gina davis, <laughs> or gina davis. <laughs> yeah i i liked the thing when i first saw it but it wasn't the the biggest movie on my radar i kind of liked the it was almost like a play right it was six characters in search of an author or whatever it was all these actors trying to react well to crazy things that were happening around them and it had certain sections of like the discovery and the hunt and all these things Mm -hmm. that could really fit on stage I i thought when i first saw it and so i liked it for that reason because I did see it when I was like studying play writing and stuff in university. So this is taught right along with Twelfth Night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was yeah. the Thirteenth Night. Well, it's a five-act it structure. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I liked it, but I didn't it, like love it. I didn't think it was the best horror movie ever. It just made. wasn't your thing. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. You could say that. I which, did. Which is why <laughs> you did. You did. Which is why I think that it's great having you here, Payson, because you like loved this from the start. And Rob and I are probably making yeah. you angry right now by saying it's not the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My synthetic fake blood is boiling right now. My thing blood. Thing uh, blood doesn't boil. Touche, touche, touche. I, like a lot of people, kind of found this movie later in life. Oh, really? Um, I thought I you was, like, seen it when you were a kid or something. No, I saw this when I was in uh, in school. And that this was back in the VHS days. And I remember right down the street from 
from my house, there was a little VHS store. Yeah. And uh, I'd heard of the movie, but I wasn't familiar with it. But I'd heard kind of it was starting to gain that cult status. You'd and, heard of things in general. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've heard of this. Yeah, uh, after persons and places. Yeah. Yeah. And like I kind of went through a, like a revival where I was so scared of horror movies as a kid that I'd never really watched them. But then as soon as I hit adulthood, it was like all I could. I was like making up for lost time, right? And that was <laughs> Didn't you like – weren't you traumatized by, by horror movies? Like – Oh yeah, like I, I was scared of like the just the covers, right? Because back in the day, especially right. in the '80s, the covers were so evocative yeah. that like you didn't even have to know what the movie is about. You're like, oh, I'm I'm scared of that. Because Did they're... this one scare you? The man with the light face? Not scared me, but it's so like it's it's, it's a, eerie. It's a weird. It's a bad cover, but it's also an awesome cover because yeah. it doesn't tell you anything. But that's also what's great about it. <laughs> yeah, is it's like it could be anything, and you just fill you literally fill that void with. It's uh, probably with been used for four other movies before this. Definitely, they were definitely. just like horror cover number six. <laughs> <laughs> right. But didn't you like you you ran and hit from a movie at one point? Didn't that happen? Wow, you're really calling him out. No, no, because I think this is so fascinating. Because every every Halloween, Payson is the one that gathers all our friends together to watch oh. horror movies. Like you love horror movies so much. Yeah. So it's fascinating that you were so afraid of them when you were a kid. You won't let yourself be scared like that again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm taking back fear. my You're power. Yeah. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What what like what changed for you in the horror like in the horror movies? What changed? I think. As I, I got older, like as a person, I realized right. I'm I'm I have more power than right. I than I as a kid. You know, you're powerless yeah. and you're you know vulnerable. But as you become an adult, you kind of learn to actually take control of things. And right, and, there's nothing in the dark corner of the room. It's just a dark corner. Yeah, and plus right. I'm like being in, in the arts. Like I'm I'm really more fascinated by the behind the scenes stuff. Right, that I can kind of remove myself and be like, oh, that's objectively scary. But I'm more interested in like. The effects right. or the lighting or how they made right. that thing, and I find that's a good way to kind of reconcile your fears. Is like find out how they're made, yeah. and then you're like, oh, it's it's still cool, but it's not as scary. Right, it's right? not magic mm-hmm. anymore because right. you know how the trick is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or if it just looks bad, then it's not magic anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which this this movie does not suffer from. Some of it, I think, does. Oh uh, yeah, Some yeah of we'll, it, we'll, you know, we'll get it. <laughs> so so you saw it on VHS mm-hmm. in your home. You grew up in. I grew up in Saskatchewan, but this was in uh, Montreal. Oh, okay, in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, okay. About fifteen years ago. So did nice. you? Someone, did you just pull this out of the out of the rack, or what? Did somebody like recommend it to you? Or? No, I think it was. I'd read like a list of like it was around Halloween. Oh. It's like oh, the top horror movies you have to see, and this was like number two or three, and I, and I'd heard of it, but it was kind of a blip on, or a missing uh, on my uh, radar. So. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the cover and hearing about it, and then like within the first like five minutes, and the music starts, and just I knew I knew right from the beginning I was gonna love it. <laughs> sure enough. You're like, oh, there was a cute doggy. <laughs> yeah. Nothing bad's gonna happen. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the gun is shown on screen. No, that's so it was kind of like love at first scene. You're just yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And then you've watched it so many times since. You own this movie. Yeah, and John Carpenter's since gone on. He's my favorite director, like, bar none. So I've kind of, like, wow. you know, devoured the rest of his films. I think this is the one where it everything he does well or best kind of just, like, comes together perfectly. Right. Like, oh, cool. steady direction and all the actors are strong and the visual effects and the tone. It's, like, the sound. It's, like, everything kind of comes together. And I think it's his best movie. Wow. Sweet. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's start mm-hmm. talking okay. about it. Uh, do you want to run down the plot of The Thing? I do. <laughs> Thank you very much. It sort of starts in outer space. Yeah. <laughs> in like a thing that like – sorry. In like a scene that doesn't really need to be there whatsoever. Yeah. We see the saucer section of the Starship Enterprise <laughs> <laughs> crash into the planet. Yeah. It was from season three, episode two. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty hokey. It is, yeah. It's it's weird. You you don't need it. We were talking about that when we watched it, Pace, and like Predator starts the same way, and you're like, you don't need that. It'd yeah. be great if you didn't know it was an alien at all. Right, and then you'd have like the mystery. Yeah, but then as as we watched on, it was kind of the, this movie is a really slow burn. And so if you didn't know there was an alien coming up, <laughs> you'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Why am I watching this goddamn Antarctic expedition? Yeah, that's, that's a good Shackleton? point. It's What's... true. You do maybe need the clue, right? Because then the next thing you see is just like this dog <laughs> running across the snow. Yeah, it's Homeward Bound 2. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Arctic or expedition. White Fang. <laughs> okay, that would have right? been a better Balto? one. Yeah. yeah. Balto. Yeah. Balto. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was the one that Keanu Reeves was in? Was he in one? John Wick? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jesus, Rob. Well, I mean, this movie, I mean, 
<laughs> How for, dare you? For people who don't like dogs, this movie is actually pretty good because they start shooting at the dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right away. And this guy is either he has the worst helicopter pilot or he's the worst shot in the world because he's just <laughs> shooting everywhere but the dog. Yeah. Well, that can't be easy. I mean, there's all the Arctic winds or Antarctic winds, I should say, because they're in Antarctica. Yeah. And, you know, can't be easy to keep a helicopter steady. But then again, it is like the only non-white thing on the whole, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like a dog moving <laughs> on a blank page. Yeah. I'm sure you can find it. I love, like... All, like, the shots of, like, just the – I guess it's not tundra, but I want to say tundra. You can say tundra. It's all, like, you know, That's it's all wrong, very, like, you can say it. pure and pristine and, like, majestic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's kind of a pretty landscape to begin with, with all these, like, peaks and mountains and, and stuff. And otherworldly. But apparently it's just in B.C. Right. So what? you can go there. You can. You Didn't can he actually film this in Antarctica? Go skiing. No. It's yeah. not historically correct? <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> no. Damn it. Yeah. I thought the thing would be. Yeah. Well, so they're shooting at this dog. Yeah. And we're sort of wondering, like, why, you yeah, know? that's why it's such a great beginning, I feel, because you're, like, immediately trying to, like, you're questioning everything in this movie already. There's yeah. an alien, another shooting at a dog. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't what? love dogs? <laughs> the Swedes, sorry. Norwegians. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Don't mix them up. The Swedes will, they, they hate that. <laughs> they really do. They seem incompetent because, like, they, like, land the helicopter to try to, like, get the dog. And then, like, they – one of them blows up the helicopter on himself. <laughs> it's very slapsticky. Yeah, he, like, loses the grenade and it's kind of like, uh-oh. Yeah, he tries to throw it. But when he peels back to throw it, it falls out of his hand. Yeah. Like, he's never thrown a, anything in his life. Yeah. It's like, do you have slipperiest gloves on? Is that why you're missing the dog with all those shots? This yeah. Is the worst. And, like, the first time that I watched this, like, I thought it was, like, absurd. Like, yeah. it almost seemed bad. It is absurd. But then once you get to the end of the movie, you kind of realize how much they've gone through. And you oh, can yeah. think back to this point and be like, oh, that guy is more terrified than he ever has been in his life. Mm-hmm. And he – this is the fate of the world at stake. And sure. so he is uh, – he's messing up because, he's, you know, he's a little nervous. Yeah. He's but- a little – it's it's you know it's very confounding because you just like see like they end up like somebody like breaks out a window and like shoots a guy old western style in the know. eye yeah yeah because well, he because the dog runs up to the to the group of guys that we have at the yeah and they like keep station. threatening to shoot him so it's like a crazy situation and that's like the start of the movie and we're like sort of left to be like what's the deal oh come on. Four stitches, barely grazed you. What were they doing flying that low? Shooting at a dog, at us. Mm, Stir crazy. Cabin fever, who knows? And then we meet all the characters. Yeah, that's right. After that. Yeah, and we got Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's Mac Reddy. He's, uh, that's, no, McCready? That's his name, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. J.B. McCready. I think JB is just the alcohol he drinks. Yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> oh, the little Joker oh, there for you, okay. It's like all these like scientists on this like Antarctic sort of thing. They're on some sort of scientific mission. We don't really. Know they what never go. You've watched it like ten times. They never say no. And there's not even any clues about what they're studying. But it doesn't. It's, it doesn't detract somehow. Like you kind of forget about that. Like thirty minutes in. No. Yeah. Like who fucking cares? <laughs> exactly. It's like drop yeah. that weather shit. We have a thing on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like are they studying the effects of like feeding alcohol to chess computers? Like it's just nothing really makes sense at the beginning of this movie. Right. But why they're there? Right. Yeah. Well, that's like a, an interesting scene where he like pours the thing on the. Pours the drink down the. Yeah, you have to be more specific when you're talking about this movie because anytime you say thing, we're going to think the monster. This is just like when we talked about it. <laughs> talked about what? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we you, haven't done that one yet. For <laughs> Filmmakers, title your movies. <laughs> Better than your baseball players. <laughs> That's all we'd like. That'd be great. But they decide to go and check out the Norwegians' camp mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, see what the fuck was happening, why the Norwegians were going crazy. They sort of think it was they were like stir crazy or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and Snake Plissken, he's like he he's so American that he doesn't understand other countries. He's like, <laughs> we go visit these Swedes. 
there's always a guy being like Norwegian, yeah, <laughs> in the back. Like, just this is an international incident. Don't upset them. <laughs> he's just being a jerk. Yeah, he's kind of just being a jerk. Yeah, he's also wearing like the silliest hat that I've ever seen on a yeah. character. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mountain man hat. It's kind of yeah. I feel like he should be like riding in a burrow. <laughs> what he said, what yeah, yeah, or like a coal truck or something. <laughs> yeah, I can't. There's really... gold in them dark. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the hat. It's a thing. <laughs> the thing is in the mountains. Yeah, the hat's really great though. <laughs> I think the hat is the second star of this movie for sure. I think yeah. his beard is the second star of the movie. Oh yeah, it's the fair ma- enough. immaculate beard. <laughs> I, I challenge that. I think Wilfred Brimley's lack of mustache is the star of this movie. <laughs> it is the negative space of Wilfred Brimley's mustache that is the actual star. My theory is that he didn't even have the thing. It was just like without his mustache, he could not be contained. <laughs> So someone slapped a mustache on him later to, like, <laughs> rein him in Grab as an him. actor? Like, ah, ah, diabetes. <laughs> yeah, and this is like, you mentioned your nickname Doors earlier. There's a guy nicknamed Windows yeah. in this. And, uh, uh, and there's Richard Mazur is there as, uh, like, the dog guy. Clark. Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just the, on- the only guy with... A name, like a real name, <laughs> Clark. I don't want a nickname. Yeah, it's a lot like Alien in that, like all the names of the characters are almost like interchangeable. Yeah, like, you could right. you could switch the cast around and be like, okay, well that guy's Mac now, and that guy's Windows now, and like, right. yeah, you know? yeah, this guy's Linux. Yeah, it's exactly. fine. Yeah. Well, one <laughs> yeah. interesting thing to note about this movie is that like Aliens was or Alien was written with like no genders on the names and then they just sort of like randomly assigned the actors according to the characters or whatever and then that became the character's gender. But in this, they kind of did that but they cast all men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's not one woman in this entire movie. No, like they note on Wikipedia or wherever that like the only feminine presence in the movie is the chess computer. Oh and yeah, he kills it. Yeah, and, and he calls her. He calls her a, a bitch. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like this is the female representation in the thing. God, <laughs> yeah. come on. Yeah, but yeah. So they they check out the Norwegian camp and they like find that they have dug up something from the ice. Oh, and they find like a whole bunch of fucked up shit there too. Like <laughs> they find that guy with like the like ice blood coming out of his like wrists. He has ice blood. Yeah, like this guy is in a chair. Uh, and he's like slit his wrist, but then like the blood has like blood. frozen. It's probably good in negotiations. So it kind of looks like wings almost. Yeah, it's fucked. It is fucked. That's the first of the fucked things they find. It's though. a very fucked thing. <laughs> and the whole thing is burned down. The whole thing is uh, burned down. The whole, the whole living situation they had. They yeah, burned, they burned it down. But they find like this freaky deaky creature outside. They've attempted to incinerate or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and they're like, this looks cool. Let's bring it back to our place because yeah. that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every time I say thing, you're just going to throw it back in my face. They don't know what it is. Is that going to be our thing? It's like it, – it looks like it looks like three people ran together at like a really high speed and then splashed and then froze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very Cronenberg-esque. It is very like body horror and, and weirdness like that. When we were watching it too, I think you'd seen it like 10 times. <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times. And we both, when we saw it, we were like, oh, ew, ah. no one on screen reacts to it. No. Like whatsoever. Yeah, they react to like the smell of like rotting flesh. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really right. But not like the thing with two faces that are like stretched <laughs> yeah. apart. They're like, wow, this is this is odd, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's, like it's literally the greatest discovery of all time. But they're all so even keel about it. Like, oh. Yeah, they're all like, ah, this, is, this smells bad. Yeah. I'm really offended Ew. by the smell. Uh, this isn't horrifying to me. Just uh, I, I saw one of these at the Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and no, I still do I not. Do not. <laughs> Yeah, and there's doctors and stuff that know about human anatomy that should look at this and go, this is impossible. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is insane. Well, they do like – I mean, they don't – yeah, they don't seem to be that surprised by it, But they are they are curious for sure. Wilfred Brimley, without his mustache, sure is curious. You just can't tell because you're used to his old facial expressions. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Well, what we got here is what appears to be anyway a normal set of internal organs. 
heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, intestines. Seem to be normal. And Kurt Russell just looks at it like it's it just said something bad about him. He just stares at it like he's mad at it. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no there's no wonder. There's no fear in anyone. It's just mild disgust. Yeah. And then like eventually uh, the dog transforms and gets one of the guys. Well, there's it's cuz it's like 30 minutes into the movie, I think the dog walks into a room and you see the shadow of the guy and he turns around. And then it freeze frames and fades away. Yeah. There's so many freeze frames in this. We were talking about right. it being like the – that like that was the best summer of my life. <laughs> like all the time. And then it – yeah, then it fades to the next scene. And so we get the feeling that something might have happened to that person in the room. Mm-hmm. Clark. It's Clark, right? Not necessarily. Oh. That's the, that's okay. the thing. Okay, yeah. Now, because I, while I was looking at the research for this, the IMDb trivia, first of all, it was way overwritten, but also, like, there seems (laughs) to be, like, a lot of contention amongst thingers about all these mysteries to the movie. Like, because John Carpenter, he he doesn't sew it all up in a nice thing. He, (laughs) it's all very ambiguous. Like, like, who is the shadow? Right. What happens at one point? Knows. This guy named Fox. <laughs> oh, fukes. Fukes. Yeah. Uh, Don't mess with that guy, though. Yeah. He gives zero fukes. He does not care. <laughs> they all. find him like burnt up outside, and like, oh, did he do it to himself? Did somebody do it to him? Like, you know, it's a mystery. There's all these mysteries, sort of like embedded within this otherwise sort of like you know monster movie. Mm-hmm. They don't get solved. They don't really get solved. I mean, ever. if you go, I mean, you could kind of go piece by piece and, like, you know, by deductive reasoning, sort of figure right. out who's the thing at what point. But, but you'd have to be a nerd. <laughs> you'd have to be a huge nerd. And I think that, I honestly think that, like, detracts from the movie a bit. Like, right. part of the fun of it and the intrigue is that you're not, the people you think are things might not be things, and the things that you are sure are things aren't things. And, like, that's, right. that's part of the joy of the movie, I think. Yeah. And know? I think one of the magic things about movies is that they don't have to make complete logical sense. They can sort of make, like, a sort of narrative sense that works in a way that is very strong and true. Like, even for, like, example, like, old film noir movies like The Big Sleep, like, apparently that can't even make sense the way that. You know, it happens like with oh, the really? murders and, you know, who's guilty and who did it and or sorry, who done it. <laughs> it's so like yeah. but it doesn't just detract from the movie, you know, because no. like and I think sometimes it adds to a horror movie where like in the Overlook Hotel, let's say the rooms don't really make logical sense in the space. Yeah. So we get this kind of unnerving sense about it. And in this, like, people are dying here and there, and we don't really know how that happened. So it feels like it That's could like happen to anyone. That's like the same thing, like, when the rooms don't make sense and people are dying everywhere around you. <laughs> well, that, that lack of... <laughs> Shouldn't that... there be a door there? <laughs> oh, look, a corpse. <laughs> I know what you mean. But, like, the, like, the overlooked sure. hotel thing is, like, you know, like, an effect like yeah it's I, like, an effect it's hard to say whether that even does anything you know like that's that's like the sort of thing that like an academic would write a paper about and has yeah for sure yeah this is more there are people it's, dying it's kind of like the lost thing where you have main actors that leave the show and, and you're like that, right. how is that possible they were on it for this season they should be getting paid for the whole season they wouldn't yeah. get rid of them but lost did it so we feared for every actor on the show this is kind of like anyone could die at any time. Anyone could be the thing at any time. I think that's why the Fuchs getting getting set on fire kind of works. And some of these deaths, they're outside the logical framework of the movie kind of work because they make us a little more scared, I'd say, than take yeah. away from it. I, th- I, think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it keeps you on edge a bit because like there's something like 12 characters in the movie. 
And if you set the precedent of like, oh, well, this we have to see this character die. We have to see what happened to him. We have to see what happened to him. Then you kind of get yeah. into that rhythm. It's like, oh, well, now we're going to see how this guy dies. Now we're going to see how that guy dies. And yeah. they kind of just like throw that out the window where you're like, that guy just disappeared for three scenes. Yeah. And then, and he comes back later, but you're not sure what happened to him. Like, I think mm-hmm. that lends to the paranoia and like the, the mm-hmm. fear because even as an audience, you're not sure if they're going to explain away a death or if that guy's a thing. Like, if they just leave it so open ended. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they don't have to one up themselves each death either. Right. Which is, I think, what happens in some horror movies where someone gets like their throat slit in the first scene, and like, well, now we need to have like at least four ounces more blood than we did in that scene, and then more, and then more, and it becomes stupid. And we'll talk more about that right after this break. Great. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're back with Pace and Rock talking about The Thing, John Carpenter's crazy movie set in the Antarctic. So one of the things that I love about this movie because it's so dumb is like the way that Wilford Brimley uses the computer. Like I I know this is 1982 and John Carpenter's probably only seen like one or two computers in his life. But like the computer just like tells us important plot information. Well, it's just kind of the same with The Fly, too, exactly. right? Exactly. I thought about that. Yeah. They don't know how to use computers yet in no. movies. <laughs> just new things, you know. David Cronenberg calls up John Carpenter. Hey, do you know how to work this thing? <laughs> uh, you just came up with my title. <laughs> yeah. Gotta fly. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, the computer tells Wilfred Brimley the percentage chance that everyone's infected or that there are more than one person infected. Right. And how long it will take for everybody on Earth to get infected if the contagion gets off. Like, that's a bit of a projection for a computer. Yeah, a little little bit of an extrapolation, I'd say. My computer can't even, like, schedule me for, like, 9.45 somewhere. It's like 9.30, 10 (laughs) o'clock? Come on! (laughs) This one's telling you, don't let this hybrid creature that I've never seen before off the island, just because it played, like, a game of Asteroid with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's very plot coincidental like it's very nice they have that there to like get the plot along and to make Wilfred Brimley be like no I need this now yeah then he goes ape shit I mean he has like a low blood sugar thing (laughs) and he like starts smashing everything and he's like "Ah, I need my oatmeal (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, they they call in the heavy guns there's so many flamethrowers on this base is this how they light every fire with a flamethrower? Everyone has a fl- – are they studying flamethrowers? Is that yeah. what they're there in the Antarctic <laughs> to do? Because everyone comes into the flamethrower to take down Wilfred Brimley and they're like, oh, wait, no, we, we shouldn't do that yet. In- they got him from Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> they get other people. He's the one funding that station. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Not doing any science. No science. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly Twitter. Yeah. So they kind of distract Wilfred Brimley and bring him down and then sequester him in this in this shack. In his tool shed. Yeah. Quit walking in my tool shed. <laughs> Old man Wilfred. <laughs> we forgot some of the early horrifying moments with the creature too. You said that when, I, when we were watching it, kind of ILM stepped in for some th- – oh, no, no, uh, Stan Winston uh, Stan Winston in. did right. like an uncredited assist and it's the first the first creature you see, which is the dogs at the beginning. Stan Winston helped out with that. But overall, Rob Botin, who's like kind of a horror effects guru who sort of doesn't do anything anymore. He yeah. just kind of yeah. fell off. He like lit the world on fire in the 80s and then just dropped out of nowhere. But he – He's he, like, I've done my best work. 
He really did, but he like he just dropped the mic on all creature effects to come. You know, right yeah, after that. for sure. Because you said he did Total Recall as well. He did Total Recall. He did Legend. He did RoboCop. Pretty much anything that looked cool with eyes bugging out or like skin <laughs> melting in the eighties was. There's was nothing him. left for me to bug. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, because he'd just done the howling, he didn't want to do any more fucking dogs. Oh, that makes sense. But also, sense. apparently, like all the stuff I He's read. He's a cat person, too. So. <laughs> all the stuff I read, which I'm sure you're very much aware of, says that he was like, he basically became overwhelmed and took on too much. And then he also wanted to play one of the characters at one point. Oh, I didn't know that. In That's, the thing? I'd yeah, he wanted to play Palmer, I think. Sure. Why I don't know. Not? All those guys were interchangeable. <laughs> he could have been any. Did actor. he play Palmer? I, don't I know. think he was like the like Vietnam burnout guy. Yeah. The one who was stoned all the time. Oh, okay. You know, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> the game over man of this movie. Game over man? Yeah. Oh, I missed Bill Paxton. Yeah. I know. Oh. It's sad. Yeah. Well, now that we've brought the podcast down. Okay, where were <laughs> well, we? Well, the, the, uh, the creature effects, I just want to talk about the creature effects for one second because they're so good. They're so disgusting. There's so much, like, fluids going everywhere. Yeah. And tendrils. Tendrils. Ah. Oh, my God. And, like, the part where that guy – okay, the guy has a heart attack <laughs> and then he – they're, like – Defibrillator, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're defibrillating him. <laughs> the guy's chest opens up and like bites off the guy's arms. I, yeah, I'm. That's so crazy that I'm on the fence about whether that's stupid or fucking amazing. <laughs> I think it. I don't think it's amazing. I think it's stupid, but like, <laughs> it's so saved by when his head fucking falls off, sprouts crab legs, and tries to crawl out the room. Yeah, upside down. <laughs> it's. That's the other thing that I find really cool about the creature effects is that it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. It seems mm-hmm. like mm. there is, is there did they eat, eat a spider. Well, this is the thing. Okay, this is what I this is what I think because okay. I did a little bit of. I mean, I found in my research that lobsters and some crustaceans have teeth in their stomachs. What? Yeah. So maybe this guy had like. A seafood lunch. <laughs> he gets thinged. Now the thing is part lobster, and it tastes like garlic butter. <laughs> and it mates for life. <laughs> Run away from the thing. Ah! It'll stand by your side forever. Okay, well, actually, so, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of this movie's plot that, I mean, I could talk about. But really, like, you should see it, like, because it's, you can talk about, like, there's a bunch of flame throwing. There's the paranoia. Everybody sort of, who is the thing? Uh, well, which it, one of us is infected? Yeah, and that leads to this amazing scene where they have – they're taking everyone's blood into Petri dishes and they're putting – lighting this cable on – red hot cable yeah. and poking in the dish. Because no matter what part of the thing exists, whether it's the blood, each cell will try to defend itself, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, that's a great scene. That is a great that's, scene. That's my favorite scene of the entire movie. It's very like tense. Yeah. One of the things that like I was reading about, like some of the sort of critical thought on this movie, because I mean, this is obviously a movie where there are no women, mm-hmm. where it's a very like masculine environment, and there seems to be like a lot of clamoring to be like the alpha male. Like yeah. this essay, I, which I can't cite because I did not save the URL. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it talks about like how Macri right? is like the lone wolf at the beginning. He has his own shack out there. He sort of reluctantly takes on the leadership sort of position, but he's like the alpha male in like the sort of group. And there's like this whole bunch of stuff about like how there's the whole like the male crisis of heterosexuality versus homosexuality and uh-huh. like – the thing apparently may represent the woman's sort of intrusion into like the male sort of homosexual space. Yeah, I hate it when I'm hanging out with a girl and they spread crab legs. <laughs> they run into another room with their tendrils. I like crab it's, legs. It's the worst. That's just the worst when girls do that. Well, you can write anything about anything, but some of it yeah. sort of made sense. Like, like when they do the blood test, Kurt Russell says. When a man bleeds, it's just tissue. I don't know the rest of the quote, but, you know, he's distinctly saying when a man bleeds, right? right? And, like, often in science fiction or in horror, like, womanliness is sort of positioned as outside. Like, a woman bleeds unnaturally. I mean, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it more. Did, did you? <laughs> did you? 
you write this essay? <laughs> this is amazing. No, and and I really wish you had the URL for this essay now because I want to read it and tear it apart. I think like I think there's a lot there's a lot of movies out there that I sh- I think are very much about men being afraid of women. Like there's that Vagina Dentata movie, Teeth. Yeah. There's like a lot of other species. Species, mm-hmm. definitely. And so I think there are movies out there that do that, whether overtly or or uh, subtly. I don't. I think this movie kind of bucks the the notion that it is about something because it is. It goes in so many different directions. Like I think there's a case to be made that it is about kind of men fearing women and the Lord of the Fliesness of all or, of this, or fearing like. Their homosexuality, or fearing their homosexuality, because like yeah. whenever they have to like test each other's blood, it's yeah. like it's kind of like a homoerotic sort of thing, right? Yeah, for sure. They and also, so it's like they it, also like cut way too much. Yeah, of, I know. Of, of their thumbs <laughs> to get the blood. Just, right. just ask Wilford Brimley. You can just do a diabetes tip. It's just a just a drip. But there's a there's an argument also that like that this might represent like AIDS, right? Because because of the blood. There's a lot of blood. Because people didn't know what it was at the time. There's a lot of – there's a homoerotic element. But this came in 1982. So I think like the AIDS crisis in the popular culture wasn't even like a, a huge thing back then. Yeah. I mean the timeline is close. I mean basically everything in the 80s, you know, they say is about AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you could probably make that argument for something like in the, the late fly. 80s. Yeah. Again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like what, – what about you, Pete? Do you think this movie is about anything? Do you think there's a subtle message underneath? Cold War paranoia. <laughs> we talked about that actually when we watched it. I think – I, I kind of agree with you, Blaine. I think it's it's meant to be read into however however you want. Right. It's kind of like the cover, which we talked about uh, I think before where it's, it's this big – face with nothing in it and you kind of as the audience just fill it with whatever your fear or whatever your imagination can conjure and I think that the movie kind of works on that level too where it's not necessarily an allegory for mm-hmm. any particular thing necessary, it could be, but it's really right. you. You make it what you want it to be about, which is it's so simple. But I think that's why it's so effective. Yeah, right. That's cool. That was like the great thing about like the sort of maybe it's like the freedom that those filmmakers had making genre films in like the eighties. People like David Cronenberg, people like John Carpenter, they could make movies that were totally dismissed as popcorn schlock, as like bad as tax shelter films and then they could make all these really interesting points which weren't like hammered home in a way that was obvious or like made you feel like you were a stupid person for mm-hmm. you know not getting whatever yeah. no not not getting but like for having to be told to you you know right. it's not condescending and they, they could like you know make messages that would otherwise fly under the radar or you know but also you have to like put a lot of work into forming yeah, I also think they were making movies the way they wanted to make movies, and maybe there wasn't such a, an underpinning of an analogy, a parable in it, but that they left it open for people to to put that in there. Yeah. Uh, so, like with the fly or, or with the thing, there are so many things that people can read into it about. But I think maybe the Filmmaker was just trying to make a gross, fun, entertaining movie. Yeah. I don't know if John Carpenter said anything about this movie, whether it was about anything or... He said about a lot about what it's not, I think. Yeah. Okay. I think, like, he seems to, like, not enjoy answering <laughs> questions. <laughs> he just wants yeah. to be at his synthesizer pressing keys. Me too. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you say that because there's – I read a book called Shock Value and it's all about how kind of John Carpenter and Wes Craven and those kind of horror guys who came up in the 70s and 80s sort of revolutionized horror. And their whole push, especially John Carpenter, was – leaving things nebulous. Yeah. Like right. the, the scariest thing you can do for an audience is to not, you know, spoon feed them answers. And it's the reason why at the end of Halloween, Michael Myers just disappears. Yeah. Like, it's not where did he go? It's like, no, he's just gone. Right. And now he could you be anywhere. He could be any- That's yeah, what made yeah. it so scary. And I think that happens in this movie too, where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to answer those questions. Like you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. scarier. Well, now like movie culture is totally not about that. Like we expect to be spoon fed the meaning. Like now I feel like even like the reviews will be like, you know, 
this horror movie is about toxic masculinity or rape culture. Yeah, there's always a rereading of old movies, too, with articles nowadays. Like, Breakfast Club was really about the nuclear holocaust. You're like, what? <laughs> well, some of that, like, because, you know, like, Breakfast Club is being, you know, relooked at because of the Me Too movement. Yeah, for sure. So that one's, like, really legit. I, I Like, that, I think, is different and good. Like, looking at a different movie from, like, a present lens, like... If if you could do a podcast about that, it would be <laughs> middling. <laughs> it would do okay. <laughs> but I mean, like the great thing is, is that like you do have to like project today's view onto it. Like, like if you thought about you know this movie in the Trump era, I'm not sure what you would uh, say about it. But somebody at a grad school somewhere will write an essay about it for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. is do Trump, not send us it. Is Trump human or is he the thing? <laughs> Or are we Trump? What? <laughs> no. No, that's the horror movie. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, part of the paranoia about this movie also is like, am I the thing? Well, that's what we got. <laughs> Pace and I had this huge argument about it because it's not argument, discussion. Where Pace and yelled at me a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was – Pace, you, you said that one of the things people talk about this movie was – that well you, you say well there's some fans who think that even when you're a thing you don't know that you're a thing so there could right. be a scene with two things like a solo scene there's a scene with McCready and Fuchs in a helicopter like right. in theory they could both be things at that moment but they're not talking thing they're talking human because they don't realize that they're things mm-hmm. right. but then Blaine said well like then then what does it matter if the thing takes over the entire world if it's we're just gonna think we're ourselves like what does it change anything well you're still gonna die yeah, but then you'll think – but then the th- thing that replaces you will think it's you. I think you only <laughs> – Right? So then it will go to your job and it will like <laughs> love your wife and it will have your kids. Like it will do everything you did so the world doesn't change at all if that's the truth about the thing. Right? No, I think because it like – like it doesn't take over you. It like It like transforms you. I think it like creates like a simulation program that's like running on the front – Whereas all of its real processes are behind. So sure. when the stoner dude points at the at the crab running out of the room, the surface program is running at, you know, that's what he's supposed to do. But right. the other program probably has other designs on him. Yeah. But if but if you can't prove that you're not a thing, right? I'll do and a blood th- test right now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> just cuts his whole hand. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, dude, dude. Oh, this is a pin. napkin. Oh, God. Oh, I'm saying. <laughs> Give me one last joint. Okay, Rob. Okay. Yeah. I just think that uh, that to me, that theory is kind of holds no water because the thing is everyone could be the thing. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. But I mean, I think you could be the – it's only like could I be the – I mean, even if even if <laughs> the monster can't actually do that, I think that the thought that – Perhaps that there has been a way that I have been compromised is there. Like I feel like that is a note that is being acted. Yeah. Am I a clone? Am I a monster underneath? Yeah. And that that is scary. Yeah. It speaks about whether we're all monsters underneath. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) – No, Rob. Oh, my God. You just bit Payson's head off. That's nuts. What a great way I'm better now. To, to come to the end of this book. The one thing that I don't remember from watching it the first time is that we end the movie with McCready and another – and Keith David. David Keith? Keith David. Keith David. Yeah. yeah. Child. He was, was in Community, Last Season of Community. He's so good in this. He's so good in everything he's in. But it's left with them in the snow waiting to be frozen to death when yeah. the fire runs out. And I remember it being Kurt Russell, like, killing himself to stop the thing from spreading, like, and no one will know that he was a hero because he just did it and died and no one will be able to tell the story. But he leaves behind, like, a tape cassette of everything that's happening first of right. all so that people will know. But then he blows it up. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> True. Like, use that, put that in a time capsule or something and bury it near the dog or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... They also blow up the whole station to try to kill the thing. Yeah, because they have to kill every cell. Right. But they also, like, just throw themselves under the bus by doing that, which is very weird. But I Well, d- I mean, that's like, that's like they have to sacrifice themselves because mm-hmm. if this thing gets off land, then as you saw, 
It'll only take 2,700 hours, said the computer, before <laughs> yeah. we're all thing. Three years. And it's weird it's that they don't give any of the men, like, if there was a backstory of, like, oh, they have families back on the mainland, like, I have to pre- prevent that thing from oh, getting yeah. back to, to my family. But none yeah. of them, they don't really talk about any, like, oh, no. man, you're right? so right. They just do it because it's the right thing to do. You're like, there's, oh, There's wow. never a backstory for any of them. No. One of, like, we know that one of them's a doctor. And yeah. that's it. The other guy How did likes Wilford roller skates. lose his mustache? <laughs> yeah, that's the backstory we all want to know. Prequel. <laughs> Do they explain well, that in the prequel? That's what it's all about. That would have been a better movie. Mary Lewis with Winston with a did, big but. bushy mustache. Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> no! She's a very good actor. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it kind of ends unsatisfyingly because you don't know who the thing is. It's never – you don't find out. And I think that also is a very good ending. Well, I don't think movie. unsatisfyingly. I mean it, it's sort of – it's ambiguous, yes. Yeah. But I mean the whole thing is like they don't – neither of them knows whether or not the other is the thing. But at this point, like it doesn't really seem to matter because they're both going to die. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me... If we've got any surprises for each other... I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Why, you know, keep up, like, the betrayal or the the games of cat and mouse? Why not just share a little bit of scotch as you, you know, see what happens? Mm-hmm. Or gasoline. Or gasoline, as the as the theory goes. Because you know how he's, he's throwing the Molotov cocktails? And then he passes in the bottle. You're like, wait a minute. Well, how do we know that he wasn't – he didn't fill the his JB bottle with gasoline? And when he hands it to Keith David at the end, he takes a drink. Some people say, oh, that's Kurt Russell realizing that the thing is the thing. Because he doesn't realize he's drinking oh. gasoline. That's a fan theory. Oh, but he did. Okay, because he, he can like, read into it. Yeah, well, but, okay. Yeah. There is also <laughs> this is fucking gasoline. Yeah. What are you doing? There is some. Yeah, the ambiguity as to this ending. Because I mean, the question is whether or not either of them are things. Yeah. Wait. Can, sorry. I just if thing one, thing two, thing one. If it was gasoline, and the thing didn't know that people don't drink gasoline, then how would they? How would the thing know all our language? What everyone's names were. How would it know all that stuff? But maybe the thing thinks whatever that he thinks that scotch tastes like gasoline. Like, uh, okay. oh, yeah, I guess that's what scotch have, tastes like. like. Senses. The uh, okay. same way we uh, okay, do. Okay. It's, it's a bit of a reach, uh, but it's, there's no, a lot like of ways that. to I, read I like into that it. theory. John Carpenter has said a few things on the matter. Not that, like, you know, what the author says should be taken as, you know, mm-hmm. that guy died, the author. The author of this movie? No, the author in general. The death of the author. It's a. It, it, he died. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> but he he says that one of the reasons he thinks that Childs is a thing and McCready is not is because you can clearly see McCready breathing, whereas Childs doesn't seem to be. Like you can see his breath, uh, McCready's, but uh, you don't really see Childs. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. interesting. But then there's a scene – now I want to go back because there's a scene when they're all outside. They've just burned one guy and they're all sitting there. I'm like, well, I bet you'd have to look at them all breathing and see either, OK, well, I can see his breath, but I can't see his breath. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, I wonder if like they did that for the Blu-ray or whatever, went back and like took yeah. away breaths from people. Yeah. Like, they, never, their... they never set up really anything in this movie about like the thing. They pretty much play it on the fly. It's like, oh, now this thing does this. Yeah. It's weird, and it has that also that uh, '80s trope of the computer showing you what the cells are doing. Like yes, yeah. one well, cell. It looks like Atari's asteroids. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah, you're totally right. They probably use that exact same program just to do it. <laughs> just playing Pac-Man doing the thing. Yeah. So, well, what do you think? You're the thing expert. I don't. I think they're both. I think neither of them are things. And okay. I think that because it's more. I think the paranoia of not trusting the other person. Yeah. Even when you both are innocent, I think that's more scary and also you know upsetting than one of them being a thing or both of them being a things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why him killing Clark. Right. Clark exactly. not being a thing. 
Yeah, when Clark attacks him with the scalpel, he yeah. shoots him. He shoots him right in the head. And then Childs calls him a murderer later. So, yeah, it's kind of – yeah, I see what you're saying, Pay, because it's kind of about the paranoia and that if we don't trust each other, we're going to die no matter what, yeah. right? And the worst thing would be to not trust each other. Right. So this thing comes into their group and makes them all question one another and that's kind of what leads them in the end to dying ultimately yeah. after it kills a bunch of them. Like the thing, <laughs> the thing wins the movie regardless because either it assimilates everyone or it loses but then everyone – you're mistrustful for forever essentially. Right. So We Russian... should have trusted the Norwegians. <laughs> that's what this movie is about. Trust the Norwegians. Why not? They, <laughs> they seem very us... trustworthy. <laughs> they gave us the Swedes, and that's what's more. Most more. <laughs> it's kind of like you know, if you wanted to put it to, nowadays, the context would be the Russian hackers hacking the election, and no one trusting each other in the states right now, and them dividing everyone. Yeah, and they they win that way. Like, that's how terrorists good reason. win. It's because they're controlling things, and <laughs> no, for sure, the GOP is like this bot like organization of. Corporate drones and, and cronies and you know everything. Russia. Every, Lindsey Graham has all this Russian you know money coming to him. Yeah, and that's why uh, Kavanaugh's going to be. He's probably he's probably already been appointed. As you're hearing this. Sorry, and that was a clip from Rob's other podcast. <laughs> Open your eyes, stoners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sheeple's in the dictionary now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Sheeple's in the dictionary is a good title, too. <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> Sheeple is mainstream. It is. Uh. Payson, did you, did you see the, the prequel? I did. I saw it in theaters when it came out. I was, I was apprehensive but excited, uh-huh. and my apprehension was well-founded because <laughs> it's, it, it kind of does the cardinal sin of any horror movies that it, it tries to explain. Like, oh, well, this is how things got the way they were, and that, right. for me, just takes away everything because <laughs> right. it's the more you explain it, the, the less scary it is, the less interesting it is. It was cool that you got kind of got to see the Norwegian camp, but then it's like, I, it's like, oh, they had the exact same things happen beat for beat like two days earlier. That's yeah. so weird. That's <laughs> that it happened exactly <laughs> what, the really? same way. They did like the blood test and everything? It, it's very, very similar. They oh do their own God. spin on it, but – Oh, so it's like uh, kind of like a remake prequel sequel because they don't even yes. like really state that it's a prequel – do they? It's sort of like it's at the end you see like the helicopter start chasing after the dog, right? Yeah, that's how it ends. So they, they kind of try to have their cake and eat it too by making it a remake but also a prequel and it just doesn't really is land it, on either. And is the, it a and, period piece? Like does it uh, – Yeah, it they do. It takes place in the, in the, in the 80s. Like disco. Oh, okay, okay. But the, the worst <laughs> sin is that they try to do all the effects CG and right. it's just – that's literally why the first movie in my estimation was such a success and what made it so timeless. They're like, oh, no. We'll just CG it. We'll just CG it and it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> one thing that I, I didn't think st- stood up about the 1982 one was the matte paintings of the spaceship the or spaceship, whatever it is. The spaceship was hard because when they go down into it, you see like the lines of the drawing. Yeah, a little it's bit, like they're it's stepping into up. like a painting. Like it's yeah. like they're gonna go into that aha video and <laughs> take on me. Yeah. This is kind of like take over me. The the aha prequel. Or <laughs> I think the matte paintings do work in like certain contexts, but I see what you mean, Rob. I think the the effects work really well because the CG nowadays is so fluid mm-hmm. and so bright. You can see everything. This, like, there's a point where the thing's head opens up and then it bites someone else's head. Yeah. And the bodies are just wriggling together and all this <laughs> blood is going all over the place. ecstasy. And <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And it looks so grotesque and a little unreal, but that makes it feel more real somehow. Yeah. Because when they make things look too real – in the in the movies, is what they the problem they ILM had with the prequels is that they made everything in the back look so crisp in mm-hmm. the in the shots, and it was like, well, eyes don't see that far normally. Like we're not used to seeing that, so it looks unreal. And that's the same thing that happens a little bit with CG everywhere. And but that looks kind of real because because it's so visceral and gross. Yeah, and like all wriggly. the all like the monster sort of effects. They use a lot of glistening stuff. It's really gross. Yeah. But also, like, I I think, like, part of the horror of the thing is that you never know 
what is going to sprout out of like the form mm-hmm. and you know turn into like a mouth or like a tongue yeah. or something. First of all, you have like no frame of reference to really compare it to, except for like it re- looks like bits of bodies bursting out of other bits of bodies and then biting other bits of bodies and turning into other bits of bodies. <laughs> yeah. In the commentary, I think Carp- Carpenter talks about how he's like, the last thing I wanted was like, at the end, it's a guy in a suit, you know? Yeah. And they, I think they just took that note and went like the complete opposite direction. It's like, okay, well, now it's just going to be limbs and like this. It's going to be the opposite of a human form. I'd like you to know? see that in a suit, though, like a tuxedo, you know, at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> just wearing limbs. Mr. Thing, what are you wearing? <laughs> 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 and I, I do love how messy it is. Like even the thing doesn't know which way is up or which way is down. Like the head is upside down when it, it starts spreads yeah. legs and moves around. I think a movie nowadays would make it cleaner, would make the head be upright, would make the limbs kind of spread out of a body normally. I think it would, it would kind of whitewash a little bit more. Yeah. Well, also – like they would probably give like so much of like the things they would give it like motivation or backstory. <laughs> right. Like it really just seems to be like a thing that is like, you know, struggling to sort of survive in the elements and sort of doing what it can. And, you know, it probably has some sort of like intelligence or consciousness. But like it does also like it could very well be like a just like a cellular process that we don't understand. And, yeah. like you know. Yeah, and it definitely has like some intelligence because it it starts making a goddamn spaceship in the middle of this movie while it's being hunted. It's like, oh, I'll I'll run for scraps and I'll start like, you know, that part's a bit silly. Yeah, he was he was kind of (laughs) nesting. He's like, I'm entering my 30s. I should settle down, make a spaceship. I love when Wilfred Brimley's like, I'm fine now. Let me come back in. <laughs> yeah. That's not, convincing. Yeah. yeah, not suspicious at all, Wilford. <laughs> it's like, you have a mustache now. Believe him. I believe him now. <laughs> so, Rob, did you think this movie was rewatchable? Yeah, I did. I mean, it, it was enjoyable. I think, like, yeah, the first time I was sort of overtaken by its similarities to other movies, but I sort of see that it's doing some different things, and it's a lot of fun. Good. Sounds like it. Well, I mean, like, some of it is just sort of, like, entertaining. Like, when they're, like, you know, shooting flamethrowers and blowing stuff up. And, like, it's a scary mystery, you know. (laughs) Like, I don't need that as part of my life. But (laughs) it's kind of fun. thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's probably still not my favorite movie. But, like, I would watch it again if it came up. Or I might see it in a couple years in the theaters Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It'd be fun to watch in a, in a big theater. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Pei? You love this movie. Seeing it with me didn't ruin it? No. I okay. uh, I would say this movie, I'm biased, obviously, because it's my favorite film. Yeah. But uh, I think it's uniquely rewatchable in that there's so much interplay with the different characters that you can always pick up on something new mm-hmm. and see relationships that you didn't see the first time and make connections that you might have missed the first time. So regardless of whether you enjoy it the first time, I think it really is enhanced over multiple viewings because there's no there's no answers. So you can mm-hmm. watch it a thousand times and get a thousand different viewings from it. Right. And I think the effects hold up. I think it's John Carpenter's best film. I think the music is outstanding. We didn't talk about the music, but yeah, the music oh, is Morricone. Yeah. Yeah, it's but crazy. Him doing his best like Carpenter impression, which is also right. awesome. Sure. It's like everything about it is awesome. Yes, highly Apparently they used some of the cues for this for that last uh, Tarantino movie. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Hateful, Hateful Eight? I, I think I didn't so. know that. Cool. Yeah. Kurt Russell wasn't that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but was he a thing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, did Kurt Russell act in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Or did he just did he just hide yeah. behind a beard this whole movie? He's kind of like it's weird because he's both like masculine and very pretty. <laughs> he has yeah. like very soft hair and like his eyes, like he looks like he's wearing like um eyeliner. I think he did have eyeliner. We noticed that, yeah. yeah. He, and it's like his hair's like feathered back and they're always like showing him in like a soft light. Yeah. He's <laughs> dreamy. Right. He has like the rear view mirror light where it's just like light over his eyes. Yeah. Kind of yeah. From and, the 40s. And I think he has – he actually might have the only vulnerable moment in the movie where he's recording and he's like nobody trusts anybody anymore. And he's all – he's like fighting back tears. He's just yeah. like, you know, that's the thing I'm most sad about is not that yeah. we're all dead but like we don't trust each other anymore. You know? <laughs> we used to be able to talk about things. We <laughs> <talking> <laughs> you know? There's a wall there. And I just don't <laughs> – I don't know how to get it back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for my part, I think this movie is is very rewatchable. I enjoyed rewatching it again. I thought it was it's it would be fun to watch like with a big group of people too for Halloween. So if you 
if you have friends out there, invite <laughs> them on over. If you're showing it and you want to invite me, I got no plans. <laughs> you can test each other to see who's real, really human at your party. Yeah. That's always a fun parlor game. But and Use clean equipment, please. <laughs> I think really you should dispose of your copper wire between every <laughs> <laughs> every blood burning <laughs> or you use a different scalpel they didn't sterilize the scalpel that's what it is yeah right. the thing was the scalpel <laughs> they were all things but it was really the scalpel <laughs> they're not scientists i don't know why they're down there there's so many of like the thing could be anything it could be airborne it could be anywhere so uh we should all just eat our own food what? What about breathing the air? You guys, anyway, it's ridiculous. So there's and no a lot. more spooning. <laughs> I know it helps you keep warm, but yeah, <laughs> just for now, just just until we get back. Sorry, McCready. And we'll I, f- I find it difficult because I think a movie nowadays would would give us at least a little bit of clues as to what their background was and who they are and a little bit of their character find these characters pretty interchangeable. They give us a little bit, but not much. But I don't know if that's a sin in this movie or if it kind of adds to it. I kind of like that because yeah. it's like they're they're just people who work together. Like you don't know like your coworkers' entire backstory or necessarily all of their family sort of stuff. Yeah, but Especially you can still care about them. You can still want them not to turn into a thing. Well, they probably spent like six months down there. You probably had some, you know, significant memories. You know, apparently <laughs> they watch the thing down in Antarctica every year. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a horrifying thing to do. Yeah, and then they flamethrower a bunch of their crew. <laughs> that, that's a fun party. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really rewatchable. Pay, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and, and, me guys. and, and talking about the thing, the th- our resident thing expert. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that you'll come on to that's talk. all I've got going for me <laughs> that's, that's, that's fine I'll take it I'll take it <laughs> uh, but also wish we could have you on for something else but uh, you don't have any other knowledge do you <laughs> no that's, that's no you're, you're not you're not a wonderful actor it's, it's just uh, no you're just a thing expert that's that's it <laughs> so thanks for joining us this week on Rewatchability you can check us out at Rewatchability on Twitter uh, facebook.com slash Rewatchability you can get a, a t-shirt if you want mm-hmm. at Public. Yeah, uh, find us on there. And if you're in Toronto, don't forget to check out our hot doc screening of Sean O the Dead. Right? Yeah, it's the more Irish screening <laughs> of that movie. Yeah, it's when I good. drink, I get a bit Irish. So <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Watch out, and sorry in advance. <laughs> okay, now we're all going to decide who's the thing, right? Uh, you got the knife. I thought I was the thing. Oh, okay. We already good. We're <laughs> all the things, but we don't know it. Remember? Ah. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.